Hello, and welcome to the Queer Discourse Podcast with Lou Barrett. It's me, Lou Barrett. talking to a friend of mine, Lee Ordell, about original plumbing. Original plumbing is a zine that ran for 10 years, and a little over a year ago, they made the best of 10 years of the magazine. It's called Original Plumbing, the Best 10 Years of Trans Male Culture. The zine was started by Amos Mack and Rocco Chaotis. The zines themselves were called Original Plumbing Transmail Quarterly, and they're packed with interviews, stories, and photos of trans men and trans masculine people. To run something like this for 10 years takes a massive amount of work. So thank you, Amos and Rocco, for doing it. <laughs> I'm sorry in advance if either of us say your names incorrectly. I picked up my copy of this book a little over a year ago while I was seeing a friend in LA. Amos and Rocco were touring with the book and they were going to be at a bookstore in LA the week after I left, <laughs> which was so disappointing, but I picked it up immediately and I devoured it in like two days or something. Uh, the work in it is super incredible. I highly recommend you buy it, especially from somewhere that's not Amazon. You can order it from feministpress.org and support the publisher directly. So I'm super excited for this episode and let's get into it. So how's it going? Oh, it's going. It's still going. I'm here. Yeah. Happy. <laughs> Happy to be here. Can you introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Lee Wardell, and I'm 31 years old from Cleveland, Ohio. And um, yeah. Oh my God, you're 31 now. I am, yes. 31 this past Gemini season. Yes. I'm in the golden age because I made it past all of that stuff. <laughs> I've been through all of it, you know, I've done all of it. So I am like, at least I got here. <laughs> so I'm really mm -hmm. grateful. I'm in a grateful year. Yeah, that's great. What does it feel like being 31 instead of 30? Now do you feel like relaxed? Yes. Yeah, I feel settled in. That's what I mean. Like I'm, I'm 31. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I can either settle in or settle out, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I really, you know, with with my history of just being me and being chaotic and so risky and, and my impulsive behavior of just doing things on the whim or because somebody dared me to, mm -hmm. I'm just really grateful that I've made it to the golden age of 31, where I feel that I've embellished all of my, all of it, every mistake that I've made, 
I've taken it and I've, uh, I've learned from them and I'm finally humble. I'm humble. I've reached the humble age, I should say. Are you humble? (laughs) (laughs) I'm 31% humble. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But, uh, I, yeah, I feel, you know, I feel really good to be here and be 31 because uh, I didn't think I would make it, honestly. And I, I didn't care if I made it. But when I sit here or stand here and, and, and think back, I am, whew, I'm proud of myself. Yeah. And you've done a lot in a few short years. Yeah. Transformation wise. That's great. What are you, are you working right now? I am. Yes, I am working at a little battery store, battery plus bulbs. It's it's a store I've never really heard of. I know that it replaced another store, like a GameStop or something. And I was just like, okay, there's batteries there. But yeah, I'm the manager there. So yeah. Well, nice. (laughs) We both look so professional. Do you love the giant headphones. <laughs> I, I know, right? I was actually relieved that you had some because I was yeah. like, is this going to work, you know, with my attire? So do you, how did you think, what did you think about the book? Oh, well, I was pleasantly surprised, to be honest. I mean, really, it changed my life. It changed my life in a lot of ways. It changed me in ways that I never thought it would. Wow. When I first opened it, like I had no idea, of course, like what am I getting, you know? Uh, Original plumbing, the best of 10 years of trans male culture, right? Mm -hmm. So I think my whole idea going into it as a wonderful trans man myself, (laughs) what do I as a trans male have to offer, right? Mm -hmm. And that was my first i my my first idea in getting the book. I, I I didn't even wait for you. I was just like, I have to have this book like now. Mm-hmm. So um, as I'm, you know, as I'm anticipating the book, when I'm looking it up, I'm only imagining that it's um, macho male, you know, you know, heavy masculine trans male. We're mm-hmm. still men. And I never, ever, ever felt comfortable being that. I've never Mm -hmm. felt right having that type of identity as a trans man. I'm not trying to compete with anybody. And I think like there are cisgender males out there that have that um, aggression just naturally because they feel like you are trying to compete with their manhood or their maleness. Mm -hmm. And um, I've always tried to voice myself against that because I, I don't feel righteous in promoting myself with such a, I think it's toxic masculinity. All right, don't cancel me on that. But <laughs> I consider that extremely toxic and I yeah. think it's not good for humankind to have to feel that they have to sit, they have to fit a certain role because of trans male culture. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're trying to be a man. It's not, it's not that. This magazine book, this zine, what is this? Like it's a collection of a zine. So they were they were printed individually over, I believe it was 10 years, maybe a little more than 10 years. It probably says, yeah, 10 years, 2009 to 2019. So this is the collection of yeah, those zines. 
and it's beautiful. I mean, everything about it right now for me has just resonated so heavily. I was so lost prior to getting this. I was so in my, um, in my own experience that I did not realize or recognize, especially when it comes to Hollywood in general, I did not recognize that I actually had a family out there, aside from me going to the center or, I mean, something bigger, you know, Mm -hmm. something that's like, we are seen than I see myself. You understand? Maybe Mm -hmm. you don't, but it's just, I just feel like it was something that I I truly needed. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So had you ever read or seen any like online community of trans men before this? Like, is this the biggest thing you've seen? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. By far. I mean, aside from like, you know, some features that we have, um, we have to search for our own, I guess, so to speak. So like it, for some, it's easier to find your own than others. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to dig really, really extremely deep and, and, and look deep within the humankind mm-hmm. and find your own. And there's so many layers to that. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, you know, I'm black, you're black. We are the exact same because that's not true there's so Mm -hmm. many layers to humans Mm -hmm. I mean some people can some people will not talk to somebody for like liking pineapple on their pizza or not (laughs) (laughs) some people will not talk to somebody because they like a color you know Mm -hmm. there's so many layers to a human if you're trying to dissect them and this this helps for me because I was a part of that problem I was in that there's not too many layers to a human, Mm. you know, and even as a trans man, even as my history pushed forward, I started to uh, embellish this um, insecurity Mm -hmm. about my humankind, who I am, Mm -hmm. because there's so many people that have these limited, you know, notions of what a human is. There's just about three layers to a human, like hungry, tired, bitter. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you bitter? You know, what's wrong with you? But Mm -hmm. you have so many, um, there's, it's, there's a depth to it. And I think what, what I found in this was, was that depth that I needed. Cause I look out and I don't see myself in like anyone. So mm-hmm. you can find yourself to be really isolated, really isolated. Right. Uh, that makes sense. It's all about, la- it's all, it's all about layers. Mm-hmm. Being, having those layers really matters. Yeah. 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 I think this definitely shows the duality of trans men. They're showing trans men who are, who are super masculine and really align themselves with feeling very, I am man. And then there's trans men who are more like non-binary feeling within this not monogamous trans men monogamous trans men like bottoms tops everything it gives you a living situation to put yourself in as opposed to just these notions of what trans men we're not all bodybuilders <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
it's very promoted that trans men are mm-hmm. bodybuilders and that's all they can and they can only be white apparently like mm-hmm. it's like no way you know um it's like um that notion like you don't look like a transgender person that's mm-hmm. uh that's always been widespread here you know right um me being proud of being transgender has been a problem like that's shameful that you would be proud of something so condemned Mm -hmm. but I like to invest in like there's there's layers to humanity there's not just this one skimmed source of reproduction that's a part of it but I always think about the mother you know Mm -hmm. is anybody looking after her because she's always caring for the world right but Mm -hmm do we ever care about the mother and her personal identity and like what she likes, you know, stuff like that. I like to think like we can kind of torque our focus one way or the other. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't really settle. I don't think it settles well in the mind. I've had so much anxiety because I felt so isolated from my layers and like how people can see me and perceive me. Um, and you can get like that. You can get in that tunnel vision. of I have to be seen like this because this is what these layers mean, you know? And mm-hmm. if I just, if I just am in the perfect layer of humanity or in society, then I'll be liked and loved and everything, that mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. and that is so sad, but I've lived it so many times, mm-hmm. you know, it sucks. You were like, I have to be a hyper-masculine bodybuilding top. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, and the thought of like, it's really, um, I mean, just transitioning from female to male is very, for me personally, it's, uh, it's very eye-opening but it's also really, really sad to think that I went from this freedom of mind. I can do anything with my body, whatever, righteous, women's right. Of course, I'm still a feminist, but I had that biological advantage. Like you can't say anything because you're not a woman, right? Mm-hmm. And I went from that power into this kind of like a true transformation and feeling my body kind of um develop this uh this other type of entitlement mm-hmm. that's like okay I'm a woman now I'm a man and I demand mm-hmm. things but it really it really started to uh, like develop within me that like wait I have to back up I cannot I cannot have this aggression of I have I have an entitled purpose to be here mm-hmm. because I'm a man it's mm-hmm. like, oh, hush, little darling. And then I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm the poison that I drank, you know, because mm-hmm. I see my representation of a trans male as being tough, rough and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and puff, you know? So I find myself thinking like him. Now I'm thinking more like a cisgender man and the cisgender world at least or the heteronormative world, at least, because I'm being identified in the world as a heteronormative. And I have to, when I say that I'm queer or I'm mm-hmm. out, and I'm, I'm a trans, I'm FTM. Mm-hmm. When I say that, that's when people are like, 
you can't be, you deny. So then it goes from that to me trying to act out and really be a, against, you know, this her- heteronormative, like I have to look like this and be like this. So I have to, you know, I have to be labeled as a such. When I, when I, when it gets like that, that's when I, I have to kind of, um, oof. I have to really be in their face like, hey, I'm queer and I'm not what you think I am. Please mm-hmm. don't think that. But then there's times in society, of course, at large, where you cannot do that. You will not do that. Your whole body, just like how it tenses up at the edge of a cliff, it has a kind of like a like a, a backup generator on. It's like if you're losing your mind up here, your heart starts pumping like, no, you're not going to do that. Same thing happens when you're out in a dangerous area or a heterophobic, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a, a homophobic area or a transphobic area where you can tell that if you said anything in the like, there'd be crowds that could develop off of the arguments of what you are, what you could be, how you are, them knowing more than you knowing who you are Mm -hmm. as you just try to you know tell them who you are you just I'm just explaining this is me this is Mm -hmm. my creation this is who I am no it's not it can't be you're impossible there's not it's not real you're not real whatever you think you are it's not because this is what I see this is what I this is what I perceive so my truth is mine and it has to be true so then I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, who does? <laughs> I, I don't want to do that. My everyday, it's mm-hmm. a big distraction from everyday normal life of which we all are just trying to live. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to live life. We're just trying to be. Mm-hmm. But we can't be when we're disturbed. You know? And yeah. I and it's unfortunate that a lot of trans people and queer people and LGBT alike we have to deal with that because we just want to be and it's mm-hmm. not okay it's not okay to be you can't you have to be like this or mm-hmm. be like that you cannot just be like you that's mm-hmm. a problem and that's where society was made <laughs> <laughs> I have always enjoyed listening to you you can just go on and on and on <laughs> yes I can I mean it's a lot in there Um, okay, real quick, we're just going to take a commercial break. Attention people, young and old, guess what? I have a special offer for you today. There is a place on Larchmere Boulevard. Maybe you've heard of it. This place is called Larchmere Fireworks. Okay, now I have your attention. Now you're wondering, what is this thing, this place offer? And I'll tell you what they offer. Glass blowing and blacksmithing. That's right. Glass blowing and blacksmithing right on Larchmere. You may have thought in your life, hey, I want to make a sword. I don't know if they, you could make a sword there. I want to make something out of glass. You can definitely do that. Come on down. If you mention the podcast, you get 10% off, which is a beautiful discount. And not only that, but you may be intimidated. Maybe I want to go there. I want to do this, but I don't know what I'm doing. That's okay. Tina and Cassie are two of the nicest people you'll ever meet in your life. They run the store. They're so welcoming and kind. You're going to feel right at home and you're going to walk away 
making something new. Spice up your day. Do something different. Okay, do a little glass blower. You might surprise yourself. Mention the podcast. 10% off. That's Larchmere Fireworks on Larchmere Boulevard. I'm not a drinker myself. I seriously, I don't drink at all. However, there's a super cool bar on the west side of Cleveland called Jukebox. It's called Jukebox because you guessed it, there's a jukebox there. It has something like 100 records to play. And yes, I don't drink, but they have an awesome food menu, including vegan and gluten-free options. I'm currently on the gluten-free kick because I always want people to have a hard time feeding me. They have one of the largest outdoor patios in Cleveland, which is super cool, especially now with social distancing. So if you're looking for an inclusive bar, they have rainbow flags on the windows. You'll feel right at home at Jukebox on the west side of Cleveland. Again, that's Jukebox Cleveland on the west side. I want to know, do you have some favorite pieces from the book? Can you? Yes, yes. Perfect. That's a good one. Oh, uh, I want to say the first one that really got my, my heartstrings. I want to say it was with um, Rocco, Rocco and his mother. That piece was just, oh, it got my tears. It got my tears. I got to find it. I just was flipping through and saw that. I'm going to look, I'm looking. I know. I hate when that happens. Oh, here it is. This is on page 96. And uh, the family issue, Rocco and his mother, Diana. Oh my gosh. When I read this, Lou, Lou, let me tell you, it, it really brought so many feelings. It's, you know, it's okay to read something that makes you feel moved, but to actually just every word you melt into this this whole I wish fantasy, you know, mm -hmm. like how supporting and you don't want to get caught up on that because you are who you are because of the things that happen to you. However, when I hear the uh, encouragement and her being the mom of all people that don't have moms and, 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 and don't, um, and, the, and the parents that don't support, she's the mom for them. It still really just overwhelms me. I had to go through a lot of uh, my struggles alone by myself mm -hmm. in and out, day in, day out, you know, life in, life out. I had to do it all by myself. And uh, I just never felt that I really had, um, I would say my family were there, but they were just all not as blindly supportive as uh, Rocco and his mother had, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I, I kind of, of course, I can always look back and kind of envy that, but at the same time, I'm grateful that my family put me through uh, what they did simply because I was challenged to really know what I wanted, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and something, especially as, as uh, I would say risk-taking or, you know, challenging as living my authentic self. It, it, it did build me, you know, in, in, in a different way. However, just to know that uh, there are people out 
there like this, Rocco and his mother. Um, if I can tell you one. Yeah, why don't we, why don't we just read it? We can, uh, you read, you read half. Why don't you read up until when it says I was okay and then I'll take over. Uh, like the first three paragraphs, first three or four. Sure. Okay. Hi, Carol. I too hope that we can meet face to face someday soon. I would like, I would also like to thank you for watching out for Rocco. It makes me feel better about his move back east, knowing there is a mom for him. Our sons and all their friends are my are my heroes in that they have not taken the life is unfair, so I won't do anything attitude, but rather they have taken the ultimate responsibility for their lives and become who they felt they truly are. I am so proud of, uh, of Amos and Rocco for what they are doing with OP and being role models. Speaking of role models, Rocco would hardly have been considered a role model in high school. You asked about Rocco and clothes, and let me give you a brief story. As a small child, we had ultimate con we had ultimate control over clothing. Dresses were worn. By the time Rocco was in kindergarten, he was sporting his his short hair. He liked to be called Perry or George. He always dressed as a boy and preferred to play with the boys. However, his sister was much tougher than him. Junior was a horror show for Rocco as he developed. He became so uncomfortable in his body. He felt gawky and awkward and it showed in the way he related to fellow students. His voice was deep already and he hated his body. By high school, Rocco had found a way to circumvent the dress code. He was into the stoner unisex look. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Baggy jeans and oversized t-shirts and I hate school attitude. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> My husband and I really didn't try to um, enforce dress standards. During high school, he came out to us and everyone else as a lesbian. The only openly gay kid in high school. That's great. Uh, who would have thought Rocco would be the shopaholic he is today? And he is such a, a dandy and uh, fashion plate. I think it's because he loves his body now. I, I'll go. I love how Amos came to you to let you know he was transitioning. Rocco was on tour and one night called us from a truck stop in Phoenix, Arizona. So let us know that he had made that decision to start transitioning. Very Rocco. He then asked us about family names. John's grandfather was Rocco, and that is how Rocco picked his name. I don't remember being surprised since I knew Rocco had defined himself as Butch. I guess it seems, seemed a natural progression. I don't remember mourning for the loss of my daughter. I know that my husband was deeply affected by the change and it was difficult for him. I think because Rocco had always seemed to be a boy that it did not seem such an, an upheaval. I had also worked for years with an FTM and knew what the challenges and heartbreak were, so I had a different perspective. I think the most difficult thing for me has been the surgeries. I can't even imagine it. 
I know going through them with Rocco was some of the worst experiences I have had. The one thing you never want to see your child suffering is your child suffering. I told myself that his physical pain was to eliminate his mental and emotional pain, but it still didn't help. You asked about the pictures. We are able to display so many pictures of Rocco when he was little because he looked like a little boy. He knew. Others are put away, which means putting away part of his sister's history as well. The most difficult thing I have found is how to relate to people who knew you before your child transitioned. We have lost people who we thought were close friends. Or what do you say to the person who knew you before you became the mother of a full-grown son when they ask about your daughter and you are with someone who has only known you with the son? You really don't want to get into the whole explanation education of you and your child's experience. I have found that I have lost friends and found friends along the way. I have changed the way I explain my family history and the way I relate to the world around me. My greatest hope for both of my children is that they are happy and healthy and are able to live their lives to achieve whatever they want. I would hope that they know that I think they are amazing. Fondly, Diana. <laughs> yeah, it's so beautiful. And it's so beautiful that they having them write to each other. So to give listeners context, the two people who started Original Plumbing were Amos Mack and Rocco. Oh, I do not want to butcher his last name. I, Kayados. Kayados, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they started it together and they talk about early on in the introduction how they did not expect how much it would take off so quickly. Um, but when there are so few things like this, it makes sense that when people found out about it, they were, you know, really, yeah. And they said that they were always taking it to the post office and never found an easier way to ship all of them, which I thought was funny. And I also like how they have people um, who talk about some people who still consider themselves part of the Butch community. And that was another thing I really liked about the whole collection is you're seeing so many different types of trans men and ma trans masculine people, some who still consider themselves butch. Because so many people think if you transition, you can't be butch anymore. And I've never thought that was true, but. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you feel about that now? What? Do you still agree with that? Do you think that's a true statement? Like a trans trans men uh, shouldn't consider themselves in the butch community? No, I'm saying I always thought they could. Oh, okay. And I still do. Right. Yeah, all of our words are made up. You can say whatever the wor words you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and also, I think, um, I think one of the things you and I had talked about a lot was the idea that people expect you to just give up this whole part of your identity as soon as you transition. And that was your whole life being, yes. you know, a butchy, butchy butch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I miss that word. <laughs> and, and I think that's also, that's also a part of it is, is that, is that draw, is that, um, it's almost like the attack of the sides. It's like, as soon as you're like, okay, I kind of want to be, you know, they mm -hmm. just suck you in. So you don't want to fall victim to that, but it, 
I'm so sorry to say this, but it's it's almost uh, it's just almost expected. Just as you grow into it, you know, you mm-hmm. have to almost go through that just to know that's not you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think that's with that's what that should be a, a broad spectrum with sexuality as well. I, I don't think it should be limited to what you like and what you don't like because you don't know. You don't mm-hmm. know until you do. So I think it should not be limited to, uh, as a man, I can only like one thing or I should only like one spectrum of humankind. That makes, that makes no sense. It makes no mm-hmm. sense now, but I had to grow through it and understand that because before I was on that spectrum of, I only like one thing, you know, as mm-hmm. a lesbian have to only like women. You know, mm-hmm. and if I'm a gay man, I have to only let, if I'm bi, I have to. Why is there a have in any case when it comes to humans? We don't mm-hmm. have to do anything but literally breathe and eat. <laughs> and sleep. <laughs> Hydrate yourself. Hydrate yeah. yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, none of it makes sense because identity is totally made up. I mean, and we're, we've come up with words to describe certain behaviors and cultures that we're a part of and then we limit ourselves to the words we chose but none of it makes sense we're not meant to fit these words i don't think we were i think we're made as humans we're not made as words that's only one part of communication one Mm -hmm. very very small part to all types of communication you know it starts with the brain so it ends everywhere (laughs) you know you, you cannot, I, I, I realize that, I guess I'm talking to myself more so, but you, you should never limit yourself in that way. But I think it's the fear of having no limit that scares people. Oh yeah. I think people really struggle with ambiguity and like accepting that and accepting that we have it. I, and I feel like queer is like becoming more like that identity and it being ambiguous is becoming more accepted. But I also think it means different things to different people, but I definitely don't think we're anywhere close to that with gender being. Oh no. Yeah. Um, what do you think the bend would be uh, or, or the learning curve could happen when it comes to uh, enforcing the transgender or non-binary gender mm-hmm. of being a spectrum into heteronormative society. What do you think the bend could be? Yeah, what do you think the learning curve, like what do you think the the push, Mm -hmm. like what do you think heteronormative, can I say Mm -hmm. it? Heteronormativity? (laughs) What do you think that would be? You know, what do they need? Do Do you think they need more trans men being more aggressive? Mm -hmm. Do you need, what do you need? You know, what, what, I'm trying to think like a heteronormative person, what do Mm -hmm. they need? Right. Well, mm -hmm. I think I understand what you're asking. I mean, I think all of our words and everything are a result of trying to give them what they need. Uh. Yeah. (laughs) And then, but then I feel like all of it leads to infighting, between each other and we're all we there's the hetero and the patriarchal society and then we've created our own our own understanding and culture as queer people 
But now we've created our own, own hierarchies and our own rules for what is okay and what is not okay. And we're all still like trying, it's coming from a place of trying to assimilate to be, um, you know, straight friendly or like likable to the masses in some way. Does that make sense? I mean, that's how I feel. But no, I just think that um, I was just talking about this with someone recently. I mean, we we have come up with hierarchies and have decided there's a right way to do have an opinion about this trans or gay thing. There's a wrong opinion to have about it. And it's all way more complicated than that. But we're trying to come up with rules for things that like can't really have rules. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then all the while, all of the straight cis people are just still living their lives on top, having a great time because we're just fighting with each other and, you know, can't decide how to get along. That is crippling. (laughs) (laughs) It is, but also uh, it's alarming because uh, I am now a part of the steering trans committee at the LGBT uh, center uh, of Greater Cleveland. Yeah, and I I feel like being a speaker and being a part of that that crowd that forces diversity and um, respect and and, and, um, acceptance in this world, having a bigger voice. And I think that's probably what, maybe that's what I was asking, like, where does I, where does our voice need to come from? And, and I think uh, having a voice like that helps writing, mm-hmm. helps um, uh, writing books, being kind of like loud, but subtle about it. Um, I don't like that there's a um, transgender woman that is uh, being exploited as an, an expected murder. I don't like that. You should mm-hmm. not have any expectations of any deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I hate, I hate, sorry for my aggression, but I hate hearing that. Well, what do you expect? That, that should be a book. Well, what mm-hmm. do you expect? Mm-hmm. Because you hear that so often when it comes to the murders of, of human beings. And it's, right. sick. it's a right. sickening feeling if you have a moral conscience. Um, I don't think that people should see other humans like that. Right. You, should never feel, you should never feel that um, anybody, I mean, if you realize that you yourself as a, as a human being would never want someone to say, well, what do you expect? Like, that's what they get. It's tragic. It's really, yeah, it's, it's really sad. And sad I, wanna, I, want, I, want to, I want to change that. I want to at least mm-hmm. tilt the curve towards human beings that feel that way. I want them to change that, that change that feeling. Yeah. That. Like, I'm sorry to hear that. That would be fine. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm right. okay with that. But. Right. Well, it's always coming from a place of superiority or feeling like someone is lesser than and then therefore that's why it happened. You know, it's all hierarchical. But another thing I was going to say is I think, and I think we've talked about this before, I feel like we still are so stuck on the messaging we're giving to straight people or heteronormative people is all the ways they need to validate us or all the ways that they need to talk a certain way so that we're respected. And that's like, that's good. Like that's part of it. But I don't know if I really believe that that's like the core of what is needed. 
Like what's needed is to understand that we're all, um, all equal in some way. Like to, I mean, we're equal period. We just don't, aren't treated like equals in this society. But I think finding more ways to just be like, to not feel not other our not other ourselves and not, you know, I just don't like the focus on validation. I mean, I've felt that way for a long time. I feel like there's more important things to do. And I don't know that I feel like getting validation and getting someone to use the right pronouns is what leads to like people not being killed, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe that is what helps. Um, I'm sorry, say that again. I said, I just don't know that I feel that I believe that, um, people getting like people, getting people to validate people and use the right pronouns or the right words is what's going to stop people from being killed for being trans or gay. No. Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, validation or not, I think it's going to help other people expose who they truly are. It Mm -hmm. will definitely depth the uh, exposure of human levels, like I said before, like the layers. Um, I think that will, because I mean, I I didn't come out until I was, uh, I came out as a lesbian at 18, and then I came out as a trans man at 28. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that if somebody had um, pushed this, uh, I can be trans agenda on me when I was younger, I would Mm -hmm. feel a lot more comfortable and I would feel more settled Mm -hmm. at that time as who I am. Mm -hmm. But also, like I said, it all happens for a reason and we need certain Mm -hmm. things for certain times. So I'm not, you know, really in regret of that, but is it going Mm -hmm. to stop people from dying? People are going to die regardless. I'm going to die. We're all going to die. But Mm -hmm. when and how, that does make a difference. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a tipping scale and I think that the scale itself is over full. So mm-hmm. people are going to fall off anyways. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I hate to say it like that, or if it sounds so morbid, but in all reality, I truly feel that these things have to, friction has to happen for a fire to occur. Something, mm-hmm. something has to spark. So if it takes some casualties, look at me, you know, as a queer man, I'm willing to risk my life to be my authentic self. I've risked my life. I've died more than once already, already. You know what I mean? So just the simple fact of like killing me or murdering me, you know, it doesn't really scare me. And I don't think it scares most people. You know what I mean? It's like, if you have the energy and the time to take away my life, Mm-hmm. You know, because you're so afraid of me, then I'm going to be the best person I can be today, right now, mm-hmm. so you can take the best part of me. Because if if you're if if you leave me here with nothing in my life, you know what I mean. If you leave me here with nothing in my life, then what what is my life for? So that's why people have to be their full their fullest mm-hmm. self. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As mm-hmm. as because it's going to happen either way. So if you are your fullest self, they're not taking anything from you. Mm-hmm. They're taking things from themselves, like their freedom, mm-hmm. but they're, and they clearly never had freedom if they're already focused on you. That's not freedom, mm-hmm. you know, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what you were saying early on about how it helped you um, seeing 
trans people being out when you were younger, I think that's like the piece and what's important about validation. So that's like you are you're actually showing why in some ways like my opinion isn't isn't totally right, but that's the point of my podcast is that we all have different opinions. <laughs> yeah. But I guess part of what I'm uh, what I often feel is like okay, but then what's the next thing? Okay, so the validation that's something we work on a lot. Okay, what's the next step? What's level 2? I I personally feel that's collaboration. That's where that's where the, you know, the tails are, I mean, the, the, the tipping scales finally settle mm-hmm. because once you accept me as I feel, I would love to be accepted and seen as it's like, okay, it's not an appropriation. That's number one. No appropriation is needed. It's just an understanding. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I did not want my mother to call me a he until she internally felt a he presence mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. um because i wanted the authenticity to come from a good place and not from a place of i'm afraid and i have mm-hmm. to it's an obligation mm-hmm. and unfortunate unfortunately there is kind of that feeling Mm-hmm. that big old word right mm-hmm. it's like I don't want to feel obligated to contort my vision mm-hmm. or cont- contort my preconceived notions of what something is mm-hmm. for you yes you're not going to alter my world in that way it's mm-hmm. upsetting and I had to yeah go through that feeling of not being seen and wanting that validation because mm-hmm. I knew internally what I felt Mm-hmm. But what I, with the hard thing, hard pill to swallow for me, mm-hmm. as as somebody that needed validation, call me a he. I needed that. I was a trans man that wanted. I almost got um, mm-hmm. bitter or aggressive that you didn't see a he. But that was no one's. That had nothing to do with anyone else. It mm-hmm. was me. It was mm-hmm. me and my insecurity. But I had to live through it, and I could not change that because I realized. I cannot change you and your life. I can't, I can't do that. I can't live for you and tell you what to think. Mm-hmm. And that was a hard pill to swallow for me as a trans man that was developing as a man. Didn't mm-hmm. necessarily look all the time as a man or sound as a man. And mm-hmm. didn't get called a man all the time. She, uh, him, or she, them, mm-hmm. you know, okay. You know, eventually I had to bite those bullets, you know, mm-hmm. I had to, mm-hmm. because I'm, yeah, I can get mad, but that stress is just causing me it. Mm-hmm. It's not helping. So right. then, like you said, the validation started to cease. It started to sizzle mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And then I started to just, actually, I do feel like this. So, okay. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. they said she, I'm like, eh. <laughs> Right. Like learning to validate yourself, you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like the point you made with like not wanting someone to feel obligated and wanting somebody to actually feel it. I think that's a lot of what I was talking about, where I don't know if getting people to just saying you need to use this pronoun because it's the right thing to do or it's a nice thing to do. I don't know if that helps them actually like understand why it's important or the other aspects of these people's people's lives. You know, it's. It, that's like the political correctness part of it. 
I, I agree with that a hundred percent. My biggest reason that I never wanted to transition in the first place, I had this very deep internal fear Mm -hmm. is that I did not want to be that person. I did not want to be, ah, why aren't you doing, you know, I didn't, I, I inevitably lived through it, but I Mm -hmm. wanted to avoid that because I never wanted to be the person that made you feel something. And then you know, it, it, it is, it seems like an imposed obligation in some ways, you know, it's like, I'm coming to you and I might seem female, but I would like to be addressed as male. And I mean, depending on where you're born at and stuff, it's like, some people would find it comical. They're like, hi, oh, you're, you're funny. But it's like, no, this is really how I feel. And some people are literally just, they're just not on par with saying those things they feel like it's morally wrong in some ways but either way I feel that um when I was transitioning I felt very uncomfortable that somebody would say oh uh, call him a him and if somebody with the fullest greatest intent that's known me for a very long time oh yeah she and then it's a him it's a him what's wrong with please don't do that please don't do that please don't get aggressively um like overly pronounced like for mm-hmm. me <laughs> like don't mm-hmm. do, let me speak for myself and i will tell you or i listen i don't even i don't even have to do that because when i'm talking and i'm expressing myself male is just a natural pronoun that is pronounced to me it's mm-hmm. not something that i absolutely once you get to know me you'll see a he but I don't get aggressive because I don't think it's, I, I, I think it does the opposite. It repels people because all of a sudden there's a, there's a rebel towards it. It's like, I'm a he actually. Now they're going to find, find out all the reasons why you're not a he. So mm-hmm. they can be right and you can be wrong. But instead you're just like, oh, it's okay. It's like, I'm a guy, but it's fine. It's not something that you or anybody else needs to do, like speak on my behalf or, you know, but I've had that happen and I found it much more effective for me when I'm calm and I just talk to people. I don't mm-hmm. use real pronoun. I'm a man. I'm a dude. I'm, I don't even say that. I just talk to people and a natural he comes in their mouth, not mine. Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm a man. I'm transgender. I, I don't have to say that because I am, mm-hmm. you know. I don't always call myself black because I have to look down sometimes, <laughs> you know, I'm like, Oh, I am black. Am I? I mean, that's not something that you just are. So it's not something that you just keep lay- labeling and labeling. And then all of these barriers are coming up in, in front of you and no one can really see you because they see all of these labels. And guess what? Not every definition ties to every life experience because love varies in so many ways that word you can live I mean you can live in that word of love literally Mm -hmm. so it's not something that is just so crisp and clear you have to you have to live through it and I feel that being aggressive about being validated means that you really need to find yourself to validate because that's what you're missing and you're trying to find it in everyone else mm-hmm. that sees themselves mm-hmm. they're fine with them so mm-hmm. you're like i want that call mm-hmm. me that so i can feel the same way you do 
Mm-hmm. It ain't gonna work, baby. <laughs> it's not gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> well, and one thing I want to say for the listeners, I don't think either of us are saying that like, so you shouldn't want to, you, you know, it's not okay to call people by the pronouns they want or whatever, whatever. It's like, I think we're talking more about the people who are really like, um, have an issue and how do we get them to the other side? You know what I mean? And it's totally fair to want to be called a certain thing. Absolutely. And, but what you were just saying about validating yourself, that's always the piece that I, that I feel is kind of missing from the conversations. It's like, how do we, like, how do we guide each other to be able to feel who we are in ourselves? And the more we do that, the more we're going to project that. And the more we're going to be able to let things go. And it doesn't mean that these things don't feel shitty. Of course they do. But of course. But I think any cut builds a callus or a or, or, or scar. Mm-hmm. You know, I have many scars to count, you know. And I just want, I want people to understand that we, we have to go through it. And we cannot avoid it. Because the more we avoid, avoid it, it makes it that much harder for us. So we will be misgendered and my mom gets misgendered sometimes. And she is a cisgender woman. I mean, a woman identified and she gets called a dude. And Mm. it's something that we have to accept that it's human nature. Now I understand it's going to be really tough. And and sometimes you're gonna hear it louder on some days. I have felt it, I've heard it. The earth has shattered beneath me before, Mm -hmm. but I want people to know that once you find your own definition for thyself, then you, I I promise you, then you won't hear it as much. And when you do hear it, you'll laugh (laughs) because that's how they see you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to let them identify you, identify right mm-hmm. so i want people to know this is all out of love tough love have it yeah you know tough love because you have to be uh tough to be you that's mm-hmm. what we're we're built for if you want to be outside of that whole box of this is what humans are supposed to be eat it mm-hmm. you have to be really tough to penetrate that box and bust right mm-hmm. out of it and mm-hmm. stay there you know mm-hmm. don't conform I love that imagery. The uh, the box don't just eat it. What did you say? Yeah, I said I, I said the uh, I don't know what I said. You know how I am. Feels but like I a cereal. The, yeah, the box of society. Like you have to. You, you don't. It, if you don't. If you don't want mm-hmm. that. If you don't want to be a part of that. Just eat it. World. Like this is what humans right. are. Right. This is it. It's the society cereal box. That's it. And then either you're eating it or you throw it across the room. (laughs) (laughs) And then you ask for a glass of wine. Yeah. (laughs) No, you fucking demand. I want a glass of wine now. (laughs) One day I'm talking to Lou. They go, where is a place where I can get jewelry, fossils, one of a kind, artisanal pieces from local artists taxidermy i'm like lou i don't know i don't know what to-. then they go i'll tell you where you can get it down on larchmere boulevard at fiddlehead gallery 
This place is a staple in the community. They offer one-of-a-kind items. And if you mention the podcast, you get 10% off. I'll tell you what else is to love. The owner, Susan, who's a wonderful human being, will make you feel right at home. And honestly, she looks exactly like Jamie Lee Curtis that you can't miss her. So come on down to Old Larchmill Boulevard and check it out. You're listening to the podcast. You love what you see. You want more. Well, you can. Lou Barrett owns a publishing company called Purple Palm Press. Purple Palm Press is not just an alliteration, okay? This is an outlet for queer people and queer artists to express themselves and to share stories specifically focused on dating and relationships. Always a spicy and interesting time. So you may be listening to this and say, I like what I'm hearing and I want to do more. I want to be part of this. I want it. That's what I say when I listen. And you can because you can go to Lou Barrett's Patreon, also known as patreon.com backslash Lou Barrett. And there you can donate a little ch- chunk of change. You know, if you're there, why not? And guess what? 50% goes to Lou, 50% goes to Purple Palm Press, and 100% of us are happy because we got more ability to make content and we're supporting each other and everything's great. So check it out, patreon.com backslash Lou Barrett. Okay, so I want to hear more about what you're doing at the LGBT Center. Okay, so um, I am a part of this uh, blossoming community called the Steering Trans Committee. And what it does is it includes queer, non-binary, and transgender people alike that all have a common force or goal. And that is to bring more voices to us. He, she, they, they, zims, all of us, theirs, all of us, all of us, all of us that are that different because we're noticing that there is a tight lesbian group, a tight gay group, a tight bisexual group, a a tight semi-queer, we don't know, but that's us, that's Mm -hmm. us. We don't know, and that's okay, but we're strong anyways. Doesn't I like the non-label phase because that's where humans are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the most human I've ever seen people. The ones that don't eat that cereal, the ones that stay out, um, they eat brownies instead. Yeah. You know? I, I love, love the cereal thing. I love those those energies, those freedom energies. Let's call them that freedom energies Mm -hmm. the ones that don't say i have to be like that because i've dabbled in everything i'm the master of none you know (laughs) i am but a jack of all a true gemini yeah a true one i i dabble in everything so i've lived all of these different types of lives Mm -hmm. and it hasn't been uh more gritty dirty um filmy and filthy as being a transgender man like this is the deepest I've ever gone in society I've the deepest I've ever been seen in society when I when I talk to people like it's not an appropriation anymore it's more either a um sometimes it's a a a proud but intimidated response like oh like good for you but like don't get don't get a big head it's like Mm -hmm. why not (laughs) (laughs) have you seen me? I mean, it's like, it's like, 
I I've gotten I've gotten so many different responses, but going from female to male has been like more of a it's been like a it makes you feel filthy sometimes. It's like, did I do something wrong? But also I am a man of color. Okay. I got a little tan in the sand. <laughs> and 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 people see me as this premeditated threat. And I've never, I mean, people used to appropriate me. Oh, mm-hmm. she, let me help her. Let me do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're so pretty. You're so wonderful. And now it's just like, oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I'm just, I'm still so pretty and so wonderful. And I, I'm just like, I'm just being, you know, doused in this, in this, um, in this identity. That's why I'm so, I'm so for pushing against that agenda that all black men are the same. Please don't mm-hmm. do that. That's not nice. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Now, please don't think that I play basketball because I I I, I suck <laughs> at basketball. Okay. And yes, I make rap music, but no, I call it poetry with yeah. style. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, being lumped in that identity mm-hmm. thing is is mm-hmm. pretty it's it's not nice. Mm-hmm. Well, and with um with black trans trans men, you're probably that expectation of being hyper masculine is probably even bigger. Yes, yeah. all of a sudden, and I was never treated like that because I had such a I had a I guess people would call me like the Ellen of lesbians because I had such like a comedy. You're like cool, whatever, androgynous, and and that was fine. And it's just funny because I'm still the same person, and yet I I'm seen, um, I guess a little bit more masculine or male, mm-hmm. and now I'm seen as this like. I, I, it's just the projections that are on me are so different and mm-hmm. it did take me a lot of therapy and some mm-hmm. time to really uh change my perspective of myself because I can't run around being like oh my god I'm not used to this mm-hmm. no one cares it's like I I say I'm not used to this I need help I get shot you know <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like it's not it's not funny actually but it really needs to be made light of because it is so dark and it is so serious in my life that I, like people think, oh, you've, you've become this person or you chose this life. It's like, I don't choose to live and breathe every day, but I'm still doing it. So whatever I am, I always was and I always will be. So it's not something that I'm just like, I'm planning this out. I'm going to make something of myself. Like this is from A to B, a whole configuration you know no i i've never done that i just live and breathe as anybody else does and everybody else can judge without uh, and and my judgment kind of gets thrown in the it doesn't matter category mm-hmm. just because uh i had to develop i had to as many other um let's say every human being needs to do you know i have to you have to develop in the way you need to with your strengths um, my favorite philosopher, Alan Watts, uh, he says a great, a great thing about humanity. He says, go ahead and create the society of your, of your choice. Mm-hmm. You know, you want in a, a all black male, um, group, fine. You want a, um, a, a, a woman group, that's fine. But in those groups, you will still find everybody that you're trying to get rid of. Mm-hmm. and you can get all males together you're gonna see a female in all the males mm-hmm. there is going to be femininity that rises in the same group mm-hmm. so 
you will find humanity in any in, in, in any human and we all have our strengths and that's what um the steering trans committee for me i'm doing i'm trying to let them know that there's so much talent and and power and strength in every human being ever mm-hmm. but especially in those that don't um that are not you know uh constricted in any way mm-hmm. they have fought against that constriction they pushed that cereal to the side and they said, <laughs> I'm hungry. i don't want that <laughs> i'm gonna feel like i'm gonna keep bringing up this cereal thing after this episode <laughs> in a conversation i'll be like okay so society it's like a box of cereal and you can eat the cereal or you can throw it <laughs> just throw it Or or, like my favorite movie, Kill Bill, you can just kaboom it and just shoot something through it and just splatter it everywhere. That sounds fun. That's my imagination. Yes, cereal all over the walls. Are you are you doing that group with Ace? I am not. I'm doing the group with my favorite woman ever, Divinity Jones. Mm -hmm. And um I believe I'm not going to butcher any other names, but Divinity Jones will be with me. She's going to be my partner in this and um, a a few other non-binary and queer trans people alike are are going to be running it. I think it's about four more. And uh, there's two other uh, actual like uh, people that work at the center that are going Mm -hmm. to be running with Divinity as well. Mm -hmm. That's sweet. And then what all are you guys going to be doing? Uh, for the most part, we're going to be running the better half of Trans Cleveland. So mm-hmm. uh, setting up the events, um, mm-hmm. having to do with transgender people, setting up groups that have to do with transgender, or I'm sorry, I keep saying trans, um, but uh, trans queer people alike. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to be uh, setting up, uh, hopefully, like kind of building a little pyramid, uh, not a scheme, but like a little <laughs> pyramid thing that I could kind of have these mentors that I could select. People would come in, you know, once we set up our groups, we'll have mentors and leaders and just be building leaders, Mm -hmm. building people, letting people have a role, you know, um, bringing people together and building something strong within the community that they, that other people in Cleveland and anywhere can feel comfortable to come here to us as this big group of mm-hmm. acceptance. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. How can people find out more? Is, it, is there a Facebook group or on the website? It's the LGBT Greater Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Just type that into the search bar, LGBT Greater Cleveland, mm-hmm. and that will come up. And then you want to look for Divinity Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to be more than likely the leader of that committee. She's trying to put to she's trying to put it together right now. Mm-hmm. So um, I would definitely relay the message about this podcast. So we yeah, can... I would love to have her on. Oh yes, you do. You do. Mm-hmm. She is a god. <laughs> <laughs> she really is. She's a wonderful woman. Okay, well, so I want to move to the last segment of the show. The last segment of the show is where we talk about something that is going to make a lasting impression on us from the book or what about the book is going to stay with us because part of why I wanted to do the show was because I love books and I think they 
for me, books stay with me all the time and are things that I, I continue that shape your worldview. So I'll go first. Um, the re So I bought this when I was in LA in May of 2019 and my friend and I were going to different bookstores and they were touring at the time. Like it was just coming out and I saw it and I was like, Oh my God, I have to get this. I have to get this. I have to get this. And I was really excited because I am kind of, well, I'm in a very different position from you. I'm, I'm not a trans man and, but I've dated trans men and I date trans masculine people and butch people. And for me, and I've always dated, I mean, you know, I've always dated people who are more masculine. <laughs> and so for me, I like always like resources and books that are about butch or trans men or trans masculine people so that I can have a better understanding of the lives and everything that people like the people I date go through so that I'm not seeing people as like a monolith or one thing. Um, Cause I think anyone who does the butch femme dynamic uh, both sides often struggle to put a lot of expectations and projections onto whoever they're dating. I know I've done it. People I've dated done it. Um, so I just, Oh, thanks. Yeah. So it's really cool. It's like, because I think so many of the people I've dated, um, aren't as forthcoming with information about the things that they've dealt with as a result of being gender nonconforming. And it's also the thing that can, uh, something that can feel weird depending on how close you are, far in you are to like ask explicitly, so I've always thought doing my own research is important. So this book, I mean, among many I've read are specifically about trans men or butch people, but that was what I got out of it. So it was really cool to see so many different experiences and talk about all of the different assumptions that are made of trans men and all of the different things that they defy about um, expectations of trans men. So I loved it. What about you? I um, I took so much. I mean, it really gave me kind of like a settling feeling. Like at, at first I was really, really lost in, in, in um, my decisions. And I hate to say that. And I, I know that's like a really soft spot when it comes to at least trans people um, that take hormones or have gone through the surgeries and stuff. You 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 have a pit in your stomach like um did I make the right choice and unfortunately sometimes feels like it goes away but it can come back just as fast you know mm -hmm. so what this what this gave me um the freedom to be to be proud the freedom to exist and feel somewhere in in this life mm -hmm. um to uh kind of latch on to a family of which is always holding their hand out for you mm -hmm. but you just sometimes you just never know it's actually for you you know mm -hmm. you think like eh, that's just how it is but no like people are really trying to do good things so I want to give a great shout out to Amos Mack and Rocco Chiados and Teek Milan because love take Milan. Yeah, love you. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, original plumbing has changed millions of lives. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. But it really changed my life uh, drastically just from the first couple of pages of knowing that I 
I really exist within other people. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's not about the transition. It's not about that. It's about normal lives. Mm-hmm. It's about seeing normal lives in such a stigmatized person. I mean, a stigmatized definition, you know, mm-hmm. or, or just this trend or, or whatever you want to call it. It's just like that energy, that stigmatized energy of saying you're transgender or you're trans man, you're trans plus, you know, being non-binary. What does that mean? You know, all of that. This says I'm just a normal person and you just don't understand me. And that's okay because there's other people that do. You know, this book shows me there's other people that do understand me and that's okay. So you don't have to understand me because like we were talking about that validation, that's where the frustration is. It's just, you don't understand me and we are going like that. Opposite, Mm -hmm. never connect. So that's where I, that's what I got. I got a big, heavy dose of inspiration and, um, you know, confidence. And uh, what am I thinking? I'm thinking of, I just felt really good about it. I'm really grateful. This is going to be like, passed down to my kids oh my god that's so cute <laughs> like it really is it's 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 so significant for everyone and mm-hmm. it inspires me to have a voice too so um other people can feel the same way that I do yeah have you let anyone in your life I borrow it I do have a son which is he's like he's my best friend but I call him my son sometimes because he he uh started tea at like a, a year after me so I'm like mm-hmm. I'm bad, you know right <laughs> but, uh, he asked me all the questions. He's like, did it do this? Yes. Did it do that? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm going to, I really do plan on giving it to my son, you know, um, my boy Ray, he's, he's ready for it. And I, I know it's going to affect him uh, a lot, just like it affected me because mm-hmm. like I said, this makes you feel like you're somebody, you're something, you got something. And Mm -hmm. without this, I just didn't even think that I could do something like this. I'm not even, you know, I don't even, it's, uh, it's really unfortunate. I don't even value myself that way. Or I didn't Mm -hmm. until I realized like, yo, what am I doing? I'm just like anybody else, yo. I could Mm -hmm. be that different and still have an identity. Yeah. I mean, I think trans men, trans masculine people are one of the most unseen groups in the LGBTQ community, hundred percent. Oh yeah under we're definitely on uh we're i think we're we're underrated and like overlooked for sure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so where can people find you if they want to know more about you if you want to know more about me uh i'm not a social media fan <laughs> at all but you can go to godly one uh it's god underscore lee uh one uh, I think it's O N E. I'm not sure if I wrote it out, but that's on my Instagram, Godly One. Um, and yeah, you can see me on there, Snapchat, Madly in Love. I'm on there sometimes. You can add me on that. Your Snapchat name is Madly in Love. Yeah, it's Mad L E E N L U V. Is that because you're madly in love? I'm madly in love. Yeah, I'm always in love with something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I don't stop. I don't breathe. I don't breathe for a second. I'm like, nope. Ready. Next. (laughs) 
All right. Well, so I guess to wrap it up, um, you know, just make sure you don't eat the cereal. <laughs> I'm never going to be hungry for that cereal again. I had it one time I got food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Well, thanks so much, Nathaniel. I'm going to. Thank you, Lou. Thank you. Big shout out. All love to you. And thanks for having me. I'm really, really excited for your clearly your blossoming career and your oh, thank you. amazing, amazing message to the world and your stance in life. I really honor you. I respect you. Wow. And I wish you all the best. Thanks again. Wow. Thank you. And you know, I, I love words of affirmation. So thank you. So <laughs> thank you so much again for listening to another episode of Queer Discourse with Lou Barrett. It's me, Lou Barrett. I want to thank Lee for being on the show today. It was awesome talking to him more about this book. I want to thank Amos and Rocco for creating this book so that we could even have a book to talk about on the show today. I want to thank the sound editor for this episode, Savannah Tracy. I want to thank Noelle Richard for making the cover art and Lauren McAndrews for doing the design. I want to thank Samantha Grace for writing the beautiful theme song for the show. I want to thank Coley Pizzoli for giving a little something extra to the ads. And I want to thank two of our sponsors, Barbara Minnie and Max Back's Books on Coventry. And saving the best for last, I want to thank you all for listening. It means the world to me that you are tuning in and listening to these conversations. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. If you'd like to support the show, and I hope that you do, please go to www.patreon.com slash and you can support there. You get to listen to the show for free, but it is not free to make, so anything you are willing and able to contribute is greatly appreciated. And that's it. So until next time, don't eat the cereal. <laughs> Have a good day. Let's talk it out now.